this theme, we've been living with this theme of being led by the Spirit, and uh, very much wanting to just hear from God. And you say, well, that should always be the case with the church, and that's true. But I think for some years, for a long time, we perhaps many of us, not just our church, but many churches, got into a bit of a pattern where we, we just... Uh, we just get, yeah, into a pattern and, and we organize things and we structure things in a certain ways. But one of the things that's happened, I think, uh, over, these, over these months is that there's been a stripping back and a pulling back of things and, and really just wanting to not just suddenly go back to where we were. In fact, we don't really use that phrase, go back. We're wanting to push on and go forward into what God has for us. And we just felt this whole thing of being led by the Spirit. So even this morning, I'm just even still looking at Ashley now, because <laughs> you will know when Ashley's standing there with the Bible open, something's brewing, yeah? That's always the case, and it's brewing, and I love when things brew. So I don't know whether it's for today, or <laughs> he doesn't know either. <laughs> um, and uh, maybe it's for next week. That would take the pressure off me. <laughs> but, you know, we, we've just been... Just, we're just waiting on God, really. I'm just saying, Lord, what have you got? I, I want to be honest with you and tell you, I was shared with one or two, it's quite hairy. It's quite scary, really. Because in days gone by, we might have planned what we were going to say, probably months ahead. Titles and scriptures. and That's not wrong. Planning's not wrong. But I think that sometimes with that, you can just get into this pattern. And... Uh, I am going somewhere with this, all right. So, <laughs> um, but what we're finding at the moment is that often we don't know. So I find myself on Monday saying, "Lord, what, what, what do you want to do this week? What, what do you want to do on Sunday?" And it, I want to tell you that's like challenging. It's daunting because it's like you get to Wednesday and it's like I still don't know what we're doing on Sunday. It's not a bad place to be, though. It's not a bad place at all because it really does make you dependent. And, uh, um, and I, you know, I think that's where we're at at the moment. We've got this overarching theme of life in the Spirit. And there are things, and I find week by week that there are things that God highlights from the Scripture through other Christian leaders. And uh, I really was praying on, um, on Wednesday and I was saying, Lord, what is it you... What, what is it you're wanting to do? What is it you're wanting to say? Lord, what, I don't want to turn up on Sunday and have nothing. <laughs> but, I mean, if that's what he wants, that's what he wants. And actually, it turns out, if I had have turned up with nothing, it looks like Ashley m- might have had something brewing anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, I even tried to ring Mike, because I thought, I'll, I'll ring the prophet, all right? I'll just see if he's got something. And, it, and he didn't answer the phone. <laughs> Which is fine, which is fine, because that was God's way of saying, I want to hold you in, Mark, you know. And um, I, what happens is that, I, you know, when we're going through life and we're reading things and hearing things, I will make notes. I don't know if you do, but I make little notes. I love what Abby was just sharing from that Lectio 365, Pete Gregg's material, some superb material, going through the life of uh, uh, Elisha. Let's get Elisha and Elijah. Um, uh, at the moment, and uh, no, in fact, it's Elijah, and it's just some quite powerful stuff. But I, so I thought, now I'm going to go and look at my notes. What notes have I got? And I was reminded of a quote that I had read from a Christian leader. It's in the wider sort of New Frontiers family of churches, 
Some of you may have heard of him. He does quite a lot of writing. He's written on the theology blog and so on. His, his name's Liam, Liam Thatcher. He was, till recently, he was in one of the London churches. And uh, I read this. It should be impossible to tell where the hand of a spirit-filled believer ends and the hand of God begins. Because the hand of God works through the hands of his servants. Let me read that to you again. Should be impossible to tell where the hand of a spirit-filled believer ends and the hand of God begins. Because the hand of God works through the hands of his servants. And that led me to, to read further some of the notes that he'd written about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. So I, I want to give credit where credit's due that some of the phrasing and, and things that... Um, I'm using today, I, I, I picked up from Liam, but then I just really felt God then began to take me. Uh, this is a great, great story. Uh, the story is in Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> uh, and it's the, um, it comes after the healing of the, uh, what the uh, NIV entitles the, the crippled beggar in Acts chapter 3. You remember the story, a man crippled from birth, is being carried to the temple gates, uh, and that classic, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. But get up and walk. Um, but it causes an uproar. This healing causes an uproar. And in chapter 4, you find the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, who are the religious leaders, coming to Peter and John because everybody's asking about what's going on. How has this happened, this incredible healing? Everybody knew this man, and now here he is dancing and leaping and jumping and praising, and how has it gone on? And they begin to preach the good news of Jesus. They're declaring the names of Jesus. But these religious leaders and the temple leaders are greatly disturbed because the apostles are teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus resurrection from the dead. Jesus has died, but he's rose again from the dead. And that's what they're, they're, they're declaring. And so they seize Peter and John. Uh, because it's evening, they put, him into jail, put them into jail until the next day. Verse 4 of chapter 4, Many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. That's a particular way the Bible talks. So it's highly likely there were women and children there as well. The next day, the rulers and elders, teachers of the law, met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the other men of the high priest family. So all the great and good, all the religious leaders. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or name did you do this? So they know power's at work. Power is at work. But by what power? By what name did you do this? Chapter, uh, verse 8, chapter 4. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus Christ, who was dead, but is now alive. That's in his name that this man 
was healed. This stone that you builders rejected has become the capstone, the cornerstone. We might even say the apex. (laughs) Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men and women by which we must be saved. And I want to say to you today, if you don't yet know that truth, salvation is found in Jesus Christ. How am I to be saved? How am I to be rescued? How in a world that is lost and dying and so embattled, where is salvation to be found? In the name of Jesus Christ. That's where salvation, that's the truth that we have. That's the hope that we have. And, and I want to proclaim that to you today. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men and women by which we must be saved. Many names being looked to, even football teams being looked to. I've been an England fan for long enough to be utterly astonished, but I have enough cynicism in me. It's like, oh, yeah, but how long will it last? <laughs> There's no other name by which we will be saved. The hope and assurance that we have in Jesus Christ. Okay? Love this next verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Love that phrase. I put myself in that kind of, didn't do well at school. Always said my education began when I left school. Unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. Hear this. They took note they had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. They're fishermen, working class guys, salt of the earth guys. But they'd been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. And uh, just to to push on, so basically they they don't know what to do with them. And they, 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 they tell them off. I mean, another time they actually flogged them, but they tell them, don't talk in this man's name. You're not to talk. You're not to say this. Speak uh, no longer in this man's name. They're they're telling them off. But at this point, all they're doing is sort of wagging their fingers, really. And they they told them not to speak or teach. Here's a great verse. Peter, verse 19. Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God's. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What a great verse. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. And then verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth, everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Lord, just as we take some moments to work through this, particularly this prayer, we just welcome your Holy Spirit here to bring us into truth, bring us into revelation, to know and to grasp and to understand the truth that you have for us, who we are in you and what you're calling us to by your power, by your spirit. Just give you these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. So they've been released from prison. They're returning to the gathered believers, telling them the wonders that God has done. And this gathered church prays. It's a powerful prayer. It's reflecting God's power and sovereign might over everything, over the whole of creation. It's over everything. And at the end of the prayer, the believers ask God for two things. Two things. 29 and 30 is really just where I want us to dig in for a few moments. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They pray for their own work and they pray for God's work. And in response, God pours out the Holy Spirit and sends them out on mission. I want you to notice the two sides of this prayer. First of all, they ask God to empower them to do what he has called them to do. They ask God to empower them to do what he has called them to do, to speak the good news of Jesus boldly. Spoke last week a little bit, didn't we, about the great commission given by Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus said, you will receive power. Not you might receive power, or it's possible. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, here where you are, in Judea, in Samaria, so your neighbours, those like you but different, and to the ends of the earth. And we had that wonderful opportunity, didn't we, to hear from Donna and the team there in Burundi. They've had a very, very busy week this week, but I'm hoping to give you some update from them in the next week or so. Uh, But so great to hear there in Burundi, to us feeling like the ends of the earth, but them, of course, sitting there in Burundi talking to us, we're the ends of the earth. And then hearing from Kay and Abby and and Debbie as they're talking about here with the neighbours, right here in our community. You, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will witness. And we're being called to that. But to know that it's by the power of the Spirit that we will do these things, that we will speak these things. They know that they've been called to speak about Jesus. 
In fact, it's a drive. It's a, it's a passion within them. You heard that there when the religious leaders try and stop them, tell them to stop. They're very clear. Are we going to listen to you or are we going to listen to God? I want to say to you that I believe in the days and months and years to come, that is something that we are going to find ourselves, I believe, having to make stands on. Increasingly, I think there are going to be times when we're going to find ourselves saying, no, 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 you shouldn't say that. No, no, we don't want you to say that. Even, no, 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 you can't say that. And we're going to find ourselves right in the New Testament. Right in the New Testament. Which is using these words. Are we going to listen to you or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I think for many of us, we've lived most of our lives, haven't we, in a, in a wonderful, comfortable, we're very privileged in this nation, the freedom that we've had, but those freedoms are being pulled back. They're being drawn in in different ways. And there's a challenge. I, I, I challenge myself before I speak to anyone else, but... Do, do I use a phrase? Do I live with a phrase? I can't help speaking about Jesus. And that's been really provoking to me this week because I think it's quite easy for me not to speak about Jesus. I love him to bits and I, I love all that he's done for me, but it's easy to just to go on with life. These men, full of the Spirit, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. You know, that's only a work of the Spirit that will do that. It's only a work of the Spirit within us. That's why we're praying. That's why we're saying we're wanting to learn and understand about life in the Spirit. We cannot... Is that true for me? We cannot help speaking about Jesus. But you see, at the same time, they knew that they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, consider their threats and enable... You hear that? Enable. Lords, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I want us to note something here for a moment, all right? They didn't ask God to zap their enemies. Go get them, God. These religious leaders, get them, God. The the temple gods, take them out. They They didn't say that. They said something very powerful. Listen to what they said. Lord, you consider their threats. We'll leave them to you. I tell you, that's a powerful prayer. You consider their threats. But enable, empower, equip us to speak of your name. You know, I don't know how quick it is, but sometimes when those who are coming against us, maybe people are putting up boundaries, people are coming against us in different ways. We might think about governments or authorities or powers. We might think about voices that are coming. It's like, oh God, go get them. Lord, you consider their ways. Empower me that I might show your love, that I might show your grace that I might be full of mercy, that people might look and say, what is it about your kindness? What is it about your gentleness? What is it? Whose name are you doing this in? What is this power? 
What is this that's at work here? It's not an it, it's a who. Let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for your sin, who rose again on the third day. Lord, you consider their threats. Enable us. Equip us. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And Holy Spirit does. And also that word servants. Enable your servants. It's all of us. Okay, it's all of us. It's not just a special one. Some of us are quite daunted by Greg. We love Greg to bits, don't we? Some of you saw a video of Greg in a shop in Plymouth on Sunday. He found one of those little battery-driven microphones. And in the middle of a shop in Plymouth, he's going, just want to tell everyone there's hope in Jesus. Um, Go to your local church, find out more about Jesus, or go to alpha.com. And I'm watching this and I'm going, oh my word, (laughs) you know. Could I ever imagine myself doing that? And I heard this little voice say to me, I've not asked you to be Greg, Mark. I've asked you to be you. By the way, he witnesses to the shopkeeper. She says, I want to know more about Jesus. And he leads her to the Lord in Plymouth on Friday. Rick, Rick puts on his WhatsApp, I didn't know I was on a missions trip. <laughs> I can't think of two more chalk and cheese people put together, Rick and Greg. But anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I'm just speaking for myself. I'm going to go, oh God, are you going to ask me to do that in shop in Plymouth? <laughs> no, that's what Greg does. But what am I asking you to do, Mark, and will you be obedient? What's the Lord asking you? Got a couple of little testimony, well, a testimony and a prophetic word in a moment that I just want you to hear. How often do we pray that prayer? Lord, God, please will you empower me to do what you have called me to do? Please give me, flood me with your spirit that I might have the wisdom and revelation to know who you are and to know who I am. Mike, come on. Mike, was, I was just praying with Mike on Friday and he, he started to just, as he does sometimes, he started to share something and it, just was, it was just so prophetic. Um, and I, I just want Mike to, uh, to share. Um, it's about this who we are and what we have. Um, if you stand at that one, Mike, yeah. Get, get a bit closer, Mike, if you can. Right, it's, it's good to be here. Um, yeah, it was fascinating. I'm just going to show you something that probably most of you have got. Um, my wife didn't know I'd got this. <laughs> one of those. I actually found it rubbaging through one of the drawers where I thought it might be, it, it's one of these might be occasions, you know, it might be in the drawer and it was. <laughs> a passport. Now that enables us, you and me, to virtually travel wherever, wherever we want to go. Um, it gives us freedom. And uh, when you open it up, there's not normally a flattering photograph, is there? I'm not going to show you this one because it looks as if I'm like Convict 99. But that is my identity. And it says in there that I am a British citizen. Well, I've got another citizenship as well. And so have you. And our citizenship is in heaven. And 
I just felt that maybe one or two uh, this morning might feel that they've had a terrible week. Things have gone wrong. And you're a Christian, you love the Lord, and, and yet you think, oh, what can I do about this? Lord, help me. Um, and I think God wants to give us a gentle reminder of who we are in him. Because this is what he says. These words in my book are priceless. He says, therefore, if any man, woman, or child, I've added that bit, is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. Every time we meet together, every time you're on your own and you think about the Lord, every time you pray, we are identifying with our Lord. And he ident- identifies with us. This, this being a Christian is wonderful. We've got, a pa- we've got a passport for freedom from sin and condemnation and guilt and all the grotty things of life. Although we struggle because we are human. Uh, we struggle with that. But that is, that is the fact that God is... We are a new creation. It says all things become new. I promise I won't preach, Mark. Just one more, then I'll... This, this... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I just want to say what it says in, in um, Philippines chapter 3 it says our citizenship now is in heaven here on earth I've added that bit from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour the Lord Jesus and that is the context of Jesus coming back Um, but you know we, we we know our identity and maybe one or two of you struggle with that when things go wrong I do. You think, Lord, why is this happening to me? I pray every day. I'm, I believe in you. And, uh, and then I think of the words of Jesus, in the world you'll have trouble. He didn't say that really, did he? But he did. You know? uh, God helps us overcome. I just want to encourage you, church, remind yourself of who your true identity is when things get really tough. We are not immune from troubles. And tribulations. We are not immune from wrong thoughts and temptations. We are absolutely human. And so is Jesus. And yet he overcomes. So I want to encourage you that if you're struggling, get somebody to pray with you about who I, am I really? I can read it, but I don't feel it in my heart and in my spirit. Because God wants to really bless you that you are citizens of heaven as well as citizens of the UK or from whatever country you're from. So knowing who we are, having that passport, knowing that we've got that passport, knowing who we are. So first of all, they they ask God to empower them to do what he's called them to do. And, that, and that's a prayer we're needing to pray daily. Lord, remind me who I am in Christ. Remind me of the truth. 
Remind me of the power of God that is at work in me through Christ. I love that scripture. In this world you will have trouble. But Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Then they asked God to stretch out his hand. And I just want to say to you, the word, the word there is, is chair. Something, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's difficult in, uh, in another language. But C-H-E-I-R, that's the word there. And there's a relevance for that. We'll come to that in a second. That they asked God to stretch out his hand. They're asking God to do what only he can do. All right? So they're asking him, them to enable and empower them to do what he's calling them to do. But they're also asking God to do what only he can do. To heal, to perform signs and wonders that demonstrate his power and draw people to himself. The language of the hand of God runs right through the Old Testament speaks of moments when God dramatically intervenes in miraculous ways. The hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, the arm of the Lord, the hand of the Lord. You think of Moses time and again. God promised to stretch out his hand or his arm, performing miracles and rescuing his people. Here's an example, Exodus 3, 19. I know that this is God speaking to Moses. I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. Chapter 6 of Exodus. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from bringing slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Chapter 7 of Exodus. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. I will lay my hand on Egypt. And with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions People, the, my people, the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. And time and time again, through the Old Testament, the hand of the Lord, the arm of the Lord, it's, it's about his might, it's about his power. And this is what Peter and John <coughs> and the church are crying out for. They're crying out for God to heal, for miracles, for signs and wonders, for power and for salvation. For God to do what only he can do by stretching out his hand. But this is the key as we come towards a a conclusion that I want us to, to be aware of, to consider and take with us into the week. When God stretches out his hand, what does that look like? What happens? You see, if we go literally a few verses on, it may be in your Bible you're turning the page, we get to Acts chapter 5. And in the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says, Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostle. It's the same word. It's the same word. The believers pray, God, stretch out your hand in miracles. And the next chapter, the miracles come through their hands. So whose hands was it that performed the miracle? God's or theirs? It's both. 
It's both. And here's that little phrase that I picked up from from Liam Thatcher. It should be impossible to tell where the hand of a spirit-filled believer ends and the hand of God begins because the hand of God works through the hands of his servants. It's the same with Moses. God promises to stretch out his hand, doesn't he? says to the people, I'm going to stretch out my hand in miracles. I'm going to display my power and my authority. How does it happen? Moses stretched out the rot. Moses stretched out his hand. The plagues fell. The waters parted because the hand of God worked through the hand of his servants. And we see this pattern Time and time again through Scripture, the primary way that the Holy Spirit works is by the hand of God through the hand of his servants. That's why we believe there's a whole different talk and sermon. One of the things I love to talk about is the laying on of hands. I very much believe in the laying on of hands. It's one of the challenges that many of our kinds of churches have have felt and uh, have really felt the tension uh, of, of these last months. Really, is it, is it okay to, to lay on hands? And in fact, you know, the strong advice and the guidelines is, is you're not to touch, you're not to lay on hands. And, and it's almost going so utterly against everything that we believe. It's through the hand. Uh, as we lay hands on one another in faith, believing in Jesus who died and rose again, as we lay on hands, there's, a, there's an impartation, there's a working of the power of God. I don't understand the mystery of it, but I believe it. I've found very often when I gently put a hand after asking permission on somebody's shoulder, God will give me a phrase or a word. Not something to embarrass them, but to help them, to encourage them, to release them, to bless them, to heal them. It's the hand of the Lord. When we're filled with God's Spirit, our hands become the hands through which his power works. Which means, if we want to pray a prayer like, God, would you stretch out your hand to heal and deliver, we must be willing to stretch out our hands. We must be willing to testify, to not be ashamed to speak of Jesus. He may not ask us to use a battery-powered microphone in a shop in Plymouth, but he may. But to speak, to speak of him, to reach out in love and grace and comfort. And I believe what God is wanting to say to us today is, is there a willing obedience in my heart? Am I ready to be obedient to the prompting of the Spirit? As we're learning about life in the Spirit, as we're talking about walking by the Spirit, I'm finding myself increasingly, as I'm walking along, I'm finding myself in different situations, I'm daring to say, as I think, as I see strangers, as I see people in in shops, in, in pathways and other things, I'm daring to start praying, Lord, is there something you want to say to that person? Is there something that you're wanting to do? Now, I, I don't find that easy. I have done it in the past in different ways. I've been brave, and sometimes it's always shaking inside. But I know that when I have spoken to someone or I've, I've followed a thread and taken it to the Lord Jesus, almost inevitably every time, the person is far more open than I expected them to be. Far more ready to hear and to chat 
and to talk. But there are steps of obedience. Part of that is knowing that citizenship. I'm carrying a passport. I'm carrying carrying the presence of God. Knowing who we are and what we have. And I want to say this, Margarita, come up. I want Margarita just to tell you a very simple story. I want to say this, it doesn't have to be complicated, okay? It doesn't have to be great flashes of, of lightning, but being open, being ready, obedient to prompting, it can be very small, it can be very simple, but God can work, can be profoundly at work. You can even be picking elderflower, <laughs> Maybe three weeks ago, we were, <clears throat> we have this family tradition for the last three or four years. We really like picking up elderflower and making cordial at home and uh, striving to pick the best elderflower, going all the way to the undercliff and uh, thinking we're making more than just uh, a cordial. We're making a, a healthy drink. So we've been, we've been doing, uh, you know, we've been doing walks, picking up elderflower with all our children. And um, so it becomes a bit of a habit, spotting it everywhere and hunting for the flower and thinking about the best one. So we're coming after church the Saturday before we've been picking up elderflower, so we're on an elderflower high. And as we're walking, I'm seeing this brown elderflower on the way in the corner. Elizabeth was with me. And um, it was hanging over uh, from, from, from a door of, an, of a house, so I picked it up, um, and I thought, oh, look at this, it's big, and this is a sambuca, it's, it's, it's beautiful, this is very healthy, I'm going on. And then as I'm picking it up, I'm seeing a lady on the other side, inside the house, and I think, oh, no. I, I said, oh, I'm, apologies, I picked up this elderflower, um, you know, it's, it's wonderful, you have these big plants in here. We're starting a conversation with the lady. Um, and I said, well, do you know that this is really, I'm going on and say, this is really healthy, you've got to do things, are you making elderflower? Oh, she said, no, we haven't, I don't know, um, I haven't been out for 18 months, and, you know, I'm, I've been locked down, and, and all the rest of it. So she, she starts sharing, and we're carrying on this conversation, the children are getting impatient. Anyway, she says, come back in and pick up some more. I say, yeah, I'm coming, we'll be coming, if you don't mind. She said, just enter in, pick up as much as you want, I'll be very happy um, and she says her name to me, and I say, well, listen, I, we'll come back to pick up some more. So a few days later, we've already made a bit of elderflower with the first picking, and we had this really red, wonderful. So I, thought, I said to my little wife, we're going to go back to the house to drop a bottle of our elderflower card with the recipe for the cordial, and uh, just to see, to, you know, to say thank you and to pick up some more for the next, next batch. We've done many bottles. And... Uh, so, and I just knew in my heart from the first time that this lady, you know, she, I, I knew she's in pain. I knew she's having, you know, uh, problems and feeling quite isolated. And, but there was no intention whatsoever. It was all very impulsive. Um, so when we returned, I just knew that we need to go back to that house. Isaac managed to open the gate so we can get, get in. And uh, so I knocked on the door, she came out. She was very touched that we were dropping her a bottle of the cordial, of the famous healthy cordial, by the way. Um, and, uh, and, and I said to her, well, thank you so very much. And I said to her, like I have been saying, some of you know, this has become a, a phrase for me. Just I turn around and say, thank you very much. Would you mind me if I just pray for you? Oh, she said, yeah, of course, that will be lovely. So... 
And again, sorry, Mark, there's an Eastern European streak in me of not obeying some of the rules, especially if I find them strange. I didn't ask for consent to touch. I said, can I pray for you? And then I assumed that she is fine with laying hands. <laughs> and so we did. And, and she turned around, and she's very touched, and she said, you know, I'm actually, uh, I, I used to be a Sunday school teacher for many years in a braiding church, and I haven't been to church for 10 years. While I said, you know, I just wanted you to feel blessed and, and so on. The message that I want to leave you, I guess, at the end of, this, uh, of today's service is a small practical application. Okay, so we often find, feel encouraged and touched with the message and, you know, goes to our spirit and is great. But can I, can I leave you with a bit of homework? I'm speaking like I can speak to my patients. I don't send anybody out of my consulting room without a bit of homework. So a bit, a bit, a little bit of practical application and a homework. Two things. First is pray a prayer. God, use me. Whether it's on the street, showing the way, whether it's um, talking to my neighbor, or you know what? I'm finding it's more comfortable with people you don't know. People I don't know. But make me willing. Show me the way. Let me know in my heart when you want to use me. So that's the first bit. And the second bit is say to yourself, put a quarter, say, Lord, let me pray for somebody twice a week or once a month or whatever. And say, Lord, provide opportunities and I will obey you. So it does not need... The Lord wants you to use your power of prayer and your voice for the people around. Your voice is not meant to be just between you and the Lord. That's powerful. It's not meant to be just in church. Your voice has to rise above and, and proclaim. This is, a, this is a proclamation of worship of our Lord when we're praying to people. So make yourself available, and, and when you know it's coming, just obey. You don't need a lot of consent, just, uh, you know, just a bit of consent, and you don't need to preach. Thanks. Wonderful. And what, uh, just as we finish, just stand, let's just stand up together. What you need to know is that lady who was a Sunday school teacher and hasn't been to church for 10 years, it's just at the top of the road. That's right, isn't it? Just, just at the top of the road. It's not, you know, the other side of cows. It's literally, in fact, I think almost directly opposite Paul and Yvonne's house. <laughs> Picking elderflower. After they prayed, a place where they were meeting. I was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Spoke the word of God boldly. Thank you for this morning, Father. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together, to be reminded of deep truth of who you are. You're glorious. You're mighty. You're powerful. We come to you today and we ask you to empower us to do what you have called us to do. 
We ask that we might know and understand this citizenship that is ours. The power that is ours. The same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead is at work in those who believe. Lord, Lord, help us to dare to believe. Dare to believe who we are, sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, would you stretch out your hand in cows and the Isle of Wight, Lord, in this nation again in these days? We do ask. We ask, but we, Lord, we're asking you to do what only you can do. But we hear and recognize that you say, I will stretch out my hand as you stretch out yours. Lord, we, I just want to encourage you, maybe you now, you might just stretch out your hand. <laughs> don't, don't feel under pressure to do it, but if you like to, Lord, I put my hand in your hand, your hand in my hand. Help me, Lord, to stretch out my hand. Help me to speak. Help me to, Lord, I pray for boldness and courage to be brave, to just drop that word of kindness and encouragement, to offer to pray, just to simply pray. See what you will do. See what only you can do by your power, by your might. Lord, help us to be ready and willing in the day of your power. Pray your blessing. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.